There's definitely a little bit more risk applied whenever you can whenever you can look at vacancy and, and just your standard occupancy. And that's why market research is extremely important and understanding is there a demand. However, I will tell you that it's, it's very surprising. And this is something that, you know, to be quite honest, I was a huge proponent of the short-term rental because our first property was in Nashville. And my wife hated it. She's just like, these people are going to come party and just tear up our house. And I promise you, they are so much better on your property in, in the long run than long-term tenant. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Bo Gable. Today, we're talking about a few things. We're talking about investing in real estate as a military member. We're also talking about balancing real estate investing and life and being a family man. Bo has his third child on the way as we recorded this, as this is going live. His child has been born, which we're certainly very happy for him. And we talk about his experience in balancing all of these important you know, priorities in life and making it all work and the types of deals that he did as a busy military member before he got into commercial multifamily real estate investing, which is what he's doing now. And uh, it's a very important topic, right? Because we all have lives, we all have things, priorities outside beyond making money that we need to balance with our money-making ventures, which is real estate investing for those of us on this show. So very important topic that we get into a bit today with Bo Gable. If you're new to the show and you're not yet subscribed, take a second, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, give us a subscription. That way you're gonna get every new episode of our content straight to your mobile device and learn more about building passive wealth with real estate investing. If you haven't yet and you are an Apple user and you enjoy the show, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, leave us a rating review, five stars if you don't mind. That helps us get higher up in the rankings. It helps more people learn about our show. As Apple sees, you know, people are engaging, enjoying the show. They show it to more people and it helps us grow. I also really appreciate reading everything you guys have to say on those reviews. It helps us, it helps us see what you're learning from and it just helps me feel great too. So certainly appreciate that. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. These are important topics. Many of us have you know, lives, jobs, things like that that we have to balance with our real estate investing. And that's what we get into today. Without any further ado, here we go with Bo Eagle. Bo, thank you for joining us today. I, I truly appreciate the opportunity, Taylor. Hey, it's uh, great, been great talking with you. And you know, we had to hit record and start getting some of this on tape. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us a little bit about where you come from, what you do, and then we'll break into you know all your great real estate passive wealth building experience. Absolutely. So I'm born and raised in Indiana, very proud Hoosier, and you know always wanted to join the military. And so after college, went and joined the army, commissioned as an infantry officer. And for the past eight years, almost eight years now, I've been serving as that role and have had an absolutely phenomenal time. You know, it's been an incredible experience. Being a leader amongst some of the nation's best, truly, has been an incredible opportunity that fulfillment is through the roof. So along that path, I also had the fortune of discovering real estate investing. And, and truly, it started off just real estate in general. But uh, I think that the army, the military kind of allows for people that are kind of 
of the mindset of getting started in real estate investing and, and a leg up because of how often we move, kind of the exposure to a situation where there's a house hack or, you know, some the ability to accumulate properties uh, using very little money. So I think that, that that kind of started the ball rolling. And once I realized what passive income was through this, through real estate investing, it, it just was an aha moment became super curious, super passionate, and uh, dedicated to multifamily. And we've been extremely fortunate, worked very hard. And, you know, in the past three years, we've closed on two properties, really in the past 14 months, closed on two properties on the commercial multifamily side and have just under $9 million worth of assets under management at this time. So very fortunate so far. You know, I think a lot of people, when you say about it, it affords that opportunity to become a real estate investor because you move around so much. I think a lot of people's first um, instinct or first gut response to that might be, well, I would think moving around very often would make it harder to invest in real estate because you're constantly changing where you are. You have to get used to these new areas, all that kind of stuff. But you're, you flipped that on its head and you said that kind of makes it better to invest in real estate. Why would you say that is? Is that just the, the kind of the way you think looking for the upside? Or, you know, is it just because the typical you know person who sees that as a disadvantage isn't seeing it the right way? Yeah, I would say that it's definitely a mindset. And so whenever I will, I will tell you this, what we call moving to different duty stations in the, in the military is called PCSing. And every PCS is the single or the second most stressful event, second only to deployment. You know, studies have been done on, on family. And so it's especially whenever you got some kiddos and we've had kiddos for, for three of them now and a pregnant mama for a couple of them too. So it can be extremely stressful. It does take some planning and a lot of forethought. And, you know, you have to, you know, I've taken a weekend and flown down to the next market that we're going to and, and you know, built some contacts. But, you know, once you go through that a few times, you really understand how to build a team, how to kind of assess a market, what you look for in an investment property. And once you have those fundamentals, you know, it's very scalable, it's very replicable, you know, in that way. And so I will say that there's a there's a good number of people in the military that if that have kind of, you know, leapfrogged from base to base and purchase a property, maybe not every time, but you know, after 20 years, you're you, if you buy six properties that are cash flowing assets, you know, that that's a second retirement right there. So obviously not necessarily pertaining to what we're talking about on the commercial multifamily size, but that was the aha moment, being able to capitalize on on that opportunity in the military. So interesting. You know, how much notice do you usually have before you uh, get PCS? <laughs> I'm gonna try to pick up some of the some of the acronyms here. Yeah. Good lingo, man. You could just join tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> I'm it too, is I'm too wimpy for that. It's it's differing, but you can guarantee that within two to four, not guarantee, you can you can guesstimate from two to four years, typically two to three years. So if you're forward thinking and you're trying to plan out your next duty assignment and working, leaning forward, at least as soon as you take a position, you're like, hey, what's my next position? You can kind of plan the future, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And you're, you're looking a, a few years out. Now, I mean, obviously now you're into commercial multifamily, like you mentioned, but 
he did a few different types of deals prior to getting into commercial multifamily. Could you tell us a bit about that and you know how those worked out, why you did those, and then why you ultimately shifted away from doing those types of deals? Yeah, there's a lot of personal reasons, first and foremost, why I shifted away. And there's also a lot of fundamental reasons, you know, so it's a, that's a great question. So, you know, starting out, it all started with a short-term rental property based on Airbnb or VRBO, which produced a, a margin that we, we would not expect to see in a long-term rental, which honestly we've adapted and, and applied to commercial multifamily. And one of our projects we have, we're onboarding our third short-term rental, which has nice. been significant. Yeah, it, it's been pretty significant for us. You know, it's definitely about understanding the market and the demand there. But if if those things line up and there's there's a lack of supply, you know, you can really provide some some value to people that are willing to pay that margin or that that surplus. So, yeah, started with a few Airbnbs and you know some smaller multifamily and a house hack that turned into kind of both those things. And the reason why we transitioned, it's it's not really a the idea was. Basically, hey, I'm a commercial multifamily investor. I just don't have the knowledge or the experience yet, which is what I need. So to build that up, I applied different. I applied myself in other asset classes that were opportune to then, you know, kind of scale the knowledge base and experience while you know growing in in the commercial multifamily asset class. So yeah. Now, it seems to me I haven't done any short-term rentals myself. I've stayed in a number of them, but I know some folks who do short-term rentals. It seems to me that they've got to be a lot of work. I mean, I don't know, right? But you have constant turnover. You have to have them constantly you know, cleaned every time they're turned over. Presumably, it's it's got to be more damage than long-term tenants do. And uh, all the other headaches that I'm sure... COVID brought along for short-term rental operators. Has that been, you know, your experience? Is it is it possible to kind of systematize those things? I mean, you're doing short-term rentals for your commercial multifamily. So there must be some way to, you know, make it take less time. So what's been your experience there? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great point. And I would say that you're definitely right. There's upfront, you know, a higher cost there's definitely a little bit more risk applied whenever you can whenever you can look at vacancy and and just your standard occupancy and that's why market research is extremely important and understanding is there a demand. However, I will tell you that it's it's very surprising and this is something that you know to be quite honest, I was a huge proponent of short term rental because our first property was in Nashville and my wife hated it because she was like these people are going to come party and just tear up our house and I promise you they are so much better on your property. In, in the long run than long-term tenants because, you know, there's not a whole lot of kids. There's not a whole lot of, you don't just get comfortable. There's a rating basis. So, you know, there's there's definitely checks in there that kind of keep people from damaging your property. And, and, you know, so all of that being said, to systemize it, again, I would say that short-term rentals along with a lot of hospitality got destroyed during COVID, right? So depending on your market, and the impacts of COVID to your market and what and your your target demographic, you could really be suffering. And so, you know, actually that's a syndication that that I failed on was a hybrid commercial multifamily that was going to be all short-term rentals in Nashville would have gotten destroyed, would have gotten destroyed. And thankfully that did not happen. So the market that we serve is a tertiary market that is 
big on business and has a lot of temporary workers coming in and COVID didn't slow it down at all. So, you know, there's also the other side, you know, some of our other short-term rentals are down here at Fort Benning where there's a lot of military that couldn't leave. So families came to them and our short-term rentals, you know, probably took a little dip there for a little bit, but have regained significantly faster and into a higher effect than other markets. So it's all about individual markets, just like anything with real estate, you know, it's hyper-local, it's all about supply and demand. It's all about providing value to tenants and finding that equilibrium. So, hmm. so you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't dig into, you said there's a syndication that, that you failed on. Now, you know, failure is, I suppose, subjective, but, you know, you're still alive, still kicking, still doing deals. So didn't fail that bad, you know, right? Everything seems to have worked out. But you know, tell us about that, how that didn't go, you know, the way you plan, presumably, is, is what you mean by uh, fail. Taylor, the whole situation surrounding that, and I'll just be upfront with you, um, very transparent. I just was not at the level. It was too much to take on early in it. This would be something that somebody experienced. I could pull it off now with the knowledge base that I have now. However, early on trying to do a hybrid that wasn't like a, you know, I was with a coach and the coach didn't really know how to deal with this process. And so there was a lot of variables that I was trying to figure out by myself and couldn't, didn't really apply to a traditional commercial multifamily. And it also, you know, to be quite honest, it was, it was in 2018 and Airbnb was about five, six years old at that point. I think it's well established now that Airbnb is here to stay. However, you know, the regulation just started rolling out. People were like, oh my God, what if government shuts it down? You'd have to find a much more specific investor. And at that point, I didn't have an investor pool built up. I didn't have people that were, you know, standing by and saying, hey, Bo, what deal are you working on? So it was a it was a situation where there were just too many variables that I was trying to tackle at once that, that you know, that was that was a situation. It would have been very difficult to pull that one off. And, you know, in hindsight, we're doing okay. Yeah. Hmm. Great learning experience for us overall, for sure. Well, that's good. I mean, you, you learned something out of it. So it sounds like the, the deal kind of fell through before it closed and, you know, just didn't end up happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly right. So to be perfectly honest with you, we were, it was being built. And so we had a lot of leeway up front and basically had a relationship with the builder, you know, and was potentially going to be partnering with the builder. But it, it ended up to the, to the point where we never officially went under contract. And but it was absolutely I mean, it was like three months of, hey, this is happening. This is happening. This is happening, you know. And so it was to be honest with you, it was my, my first big failure. And, and it spent a lot of time, especially at that. Uh, I'm sorry. spent a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of a lot of sacrifice to that, especially at that time in my life with with the money and time. I didn't have a whole lot of it, either one. It took a while to rebound from that. And I'm so grateful for that experience because, you know, it just showed, you know, I learned I learned so much looking back. So Yeah. So I'm I'm glad you you brought that up and and the other commitments, right? That maybe commitments is, is the wrong word, but you know, life around, you know, family and, and all those kinds of things. And I think we'll get to this in the, the second half of the show a little bit as well. But, you know, tell us about how some of this has 
impacted your family life when you got two small kids as we record you got another one on the way who will by the time this goes live be have have arrived right but you know you've learned some lessons along the way regarding allocating your time allocating your energy and and your mental resources right so tell us a bit about that and things that you've learned you know for for you know being a businessman and a family man at the same time yeah first off um we're about three weeks away from baby number three which is i mean just an incredible thing to say because you know i'm, I'm just a very blessed man i'm a very blessed man so hopefully by time this airs unless this airs in the next three weeks or well unless this airs in the next three weeks um, but to get back to I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. What was the exact question? The the sacrifice surrounding the family and sure, other time I mean, commitments. Things so, things that you've learned there that we might, you know, we get so even passive real estate investors, active real estate investors, whatever, maybe we get obsessive about things that, you know, okay, we want to hit this goal. We want to make this thing happen. We want to make this next investment or build up this capital. And I don't know. I don't know the story, right? I don't want to read into it too much, but from the feeling that I got. You know, some some things may you know follow fall off the the priority list when they really they really shouldn't. We kind of figure that out on the back end sometimes. Am I am I wrong? I don't know. I'm I'm trying to read between no, the lines and get no. You could not be more correct. And I'll tell you if there's I'm going to tell you two things about that. Number one, you absolutely have to know what it is you're in this game for. You know, and you have to you have to be very committed. To work through because it is a very arduous task you know going through especially starting out you know you, you take a lot of effort a lot of time a lot of money and to get started is is definitely we're going to spend the majority of, of all of all of those three things once you get the ball rolling there's a there and there's definitely a communication piece back home so this is absolutely you know whenever you have two kiddos and and a, and a family and also, you know, I'm, I'm a military officer. There's definitely some time constraints. And my wife would tell you that I work two full-time jobs because, I mean, I, I do put in a lot of hours and sacrifice on a lot of other things because of that. But it's the greatest problem set that a man could ever have, you know. And so I, I genuinely enjoy that most of the time. Most of the time. I, I would like to take a step back every now and then. But the the second thing that I'll hit on, and this is probably as important for anybody that's kind of discovering or in the grind of, it doesn't have to be real estate. It's, it can be literally anything, you know, you, you need to set goals in order to achieve big things. But whenever you're achieving those big things, you will aspire to be as high as your goals, but you will, you will always fall back to a default as low as your systems that you put in place. And I'm, I'm rediscovering that every single time I reach up really high, you know, we just hit a, we just hit another, we just closed on another property, uh, 68 unit down here in Columbia or in Augusta, Georgia and getting under contract the past three months has been significantly more demanding on my time, on my effort, on my emotional bandwidth than I thought it would be at this point. And I let some things go quite honestly that were my daily habits, my daily rituals that kind of kept that system afloat and kept my my emotional being, you know, at a place where I wasn't depleted all the time. And I can do that for a few days, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. I've done it several times in my life for different ventures. 
you know, but for this one, you know, I, I was truly depleted. So we, we crossed the finish line and I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I've got, I need a vacation. I, I need to completely rejuvenate myself because I did not keep those systems. So it's a, it's a, it's a thing that um, constantly I'm learning and growing. And I think that it's, it's evident in the people that do achieve the success that they do, you know, you can speak to the systems they put in place on a daily basis. They take care of themselves. They focus on their family. They focus on their faith. If, if that's important to them, they focus on the things that fill their cup, even though they are going a hundred miles an hour. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you've got, like you said, baby number three on the way uh, within three weeks, you just closed this deal. What's your plan, you know, moving forward, moving to the next deal with the reality in mind is uh, that there's, you know, about to be three kids in the house, you know, what's, what's the plan moving forward? We need to get more childcare. And <laughs> so my wife, my wife is just an angel, a saint, and the, uh, I admire her so much without, without that support, it would be impossible. So she takes by far the most of that you know, she alleviates as we sit here. I, I promise you, I left at five o'clock this morning. Right now it's seven, my time. It's 720 right now. You know, I haven't seen my family yet today. I came home and, and changed clothes and stepped outside. So it, it's just one of those things where if you're not committed to the long-term goal, if you're not committed to that vision and you don't go through those growing pains, you know, it's very difficult. So what I will tell you is, baby months coming up and thankfully we've closed on our property and I promise you I'm taking a step back and and revitalizing with the people that I care about with the with the things that are most important in life and definitely taking taking some time to to focus on them so nice love it well, right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor all right Bo I've got three questions you know this you've listened to the show that I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? I sure am. Yep. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Taylor, we hit a lot on family and this just ties right in. And so this probably is not what you're looking for and I can definitely uh, rephrase if you'd like or, or represent a different one, but it was a $4 milkshake. The first time I met my wife, I, I asked her if she'd go get a milkshake with me and, and that led to a second date and I kid you not, Taylor, whenever I think of my blessings and count my blessings, I'm married to the woman that I admire most in the world. And, and she, so if you look, I would have paid a million dollars for that milkshake, <laughs> given a chance, no, no, now, truth. So, you know, you'd look at ROI, there's nothing more than that. I think if you do look at real estate investing, and this is just, you know, from my standpoint, another sentimental thing, because that's just kind of the mood that I'm in today, I guess, but it was my first investment property, which was a duplex, right? And it was it was a property that I had spent a, a significant amount of time learning commercial multifamily because I, I dedicated myself to that. But going through the actual transactional process was something that was just a holdup for me. And so for a lot of reasons, that duplex, where I, which I partnered with my father on, so and it taught an old dog new tricks, you know, really got him riled up for uh, real estate and the power that it has you know, it showed me, it gave me the confidence in order to approach people and say, Hey, I actually know what I'm doing. It was kind of the, the confirmation that I needed. So nice. that is forever going to be sentimental as the most important investment I made. So nice. We had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? 
I've been very fortunate and I would, I would change nothing about any of my decisions or what's happened in my life. Uh, and that, and that carries over to investments for sure. If I look at it and fortunately, you know, in real estate, it's, it's been a short game, but it's also been a pretty profitable game for us so far. And we've also just been able to impact a lot of lives. You know, we've been successful to this point. So definitely could have done things better. If I had to say there was some immaturity uh, younger in my life, whenever I, I gave up a, a full ride scholarship to, to college and I left with a lot of college debt because I switched over to private school and that alone kind of kept me buried for a while in this old mentality where I think that if I would have been able to, you know, be debt free or, or somewhere near that, it would have expedited the, the process for me. But yeah, tough lesson. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? This one, you know, the most important has to be simple for me because, you know, I would love to be complicated and complex, but I'm telling you right now, Taylor, the most important lesson across the board is to be authentic in all of your dealings with every person. Be who you are, because at some point, whenever you're under stress, that will show if a deal was under stress, if, you know, so be upfront and be transparent, even to people that necessarily aren't that way. The worst thing that can happen is you say, hey, I'm not going to be dealing with this person again, you know, and and you find out rather soon, sooner than later, if you just show your, show your hand and it's, there's a lot of fear that goes along with that, right? The fear of rejection, the fear of somebody's going to take what I have because you think that you're original and you've got great ideas, Right. And, and they're going to buy this deal or something. But I'm telling you, in the long run, just the abundance mindset is, is definitely the way to go. Authenticity is, is very important. So Nice. Well, Bo, thank you for joining us today, teaching us all these lessons about you know investing while you're in the military, investing as a family man, and all that it means to you. If folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn more, all that great stuff, where can they find you? Yeah, Taylor, I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you very much for having me on your platform. Uh, like I said earlier, but not in front of people, I truly think that you have a great thing going. So Thank please you. continue. And, and I, I very much look forward to building this relationship. If anybody would like to reach out, I would very much welcome that. It's Bo Gable, B-O-G-O-E-B-E-L at Riverside Investment Group. Um, you can either go to our website, riversideinvestmentgroup.com or LinkedIn at Bo Gable. Spelled the same way as I spelled it earlier, and connect with me there, and I would I would be uh, love connecting with like minded individuals all the time. So awesome! Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated. It helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.